This is The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. So glad you're with us, and you're going to be glad, too. We have an amazing show unfolding right now for you, so do not touch that dial or that whatever, that button, whatever it is that you're using to listen, just stay completely still. Because I know this for sure, inside all of us, there is someone who loves something in pop culture so much. It might be an old TV show from your childhood. It might be something to do uh, with, well, this isn't pop culture per se, but sports. Maybe you collect collect things, memorabilia. Uh, I have assembled three people today who are such fans of something so special. Don't you just love these people who, who, who devote uh, time and effort to accumulating knowledge and pieces, memorabilia, collecting things because they love it so much. We're going to speak with someone uh, towards the end of the show who is uh, probably the world's biggest collector of memorabilia and has even written a book about, I'm going to just say the biggest pop star in the world. I'm going to leave it at that. Now you're all going to be listening and going, oh, that's got to be Michael Jackson. That's got to be... We're just in Beyonce, Beyonce, Aaron, the producer over there says. So uh, we've got we've got that coming up. And then we've got someone that when I met him, I could not believe inside his home, walls and walls and walls and walls of coffee table books. He did, I couldn't even see the walls for the walls. We're going to have him on. He's collecting um, uh, those coffee table books on one particular subject that I know is of interest to all of us. But first of all, uh, from Norway, Bjorn Pedersen joins us here on the show and he collects. Do you remember the show Dynasty? (laughs) I'm so happy right now. Dynasty 2.0, the reboot playing uh, across North America, perhaps around the world right now. But I don't know whether we'll ever touch the enormous appeal of the original soap opera. It was an ode to 80s excess, starring, uh, among others, uh, Linda Evans and John Forsyth and the formidable Joan Collins, who is a personal favorite. Bjorn, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. And what time is it in Norway right now? Well, actually, I'm in uh, Scotland at the moment, but uh, it's uh, here. It's four o'clock, so in Norway it would be five o'clock. Just <laughs> well, we thank we thank you. Uh, your collection and it, 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 it's, it's various items from the the show called Dynasty, and we're talking about gowns, jewels, and something that you showed me um, over the internet. Uh, just two days ago, where I said, save this for the radio. So let, let's just uh, begin there. Tell us about all the items that you own from this original series. Well, um, I own a lot of the uh, official merchandise that was uh, made uh, for the show when it was on, but I also have uh, the costumes from the show, or original costumes from the show, and props, and I have this uh, thing that I showed you online, as you said, this uh, it's a, a model house of the Carrington Mansion. So uh, that's quite special. If I ever find out where you live, there will be a break-in. 
<laughs> and I will steal that model house. And that's where I, that's where I said, if you're listening to this right now, I said to Bjorn on the um, when we were chatting yesterday, I said, say save this. Don't don't, don't um, tell me what it is. So you sent me photos of this model house, the Carrington Mansion. Uh, I've been to one of the versions of it. It's about 25 miles south of San Francisco. And uh, what what d- describe this model for us. I mean, how big is it and where do you keep it? Well, uh, it's actually uh, two models because one is the uh, the house itself and then I have the the exterior built of the of the hallway in the mansion, the you know, the staircase and the, all these things. So I have the Fallon's portrait is hanging there and uh, there's um, crystal chandeliers and there's the Blake and Alexis and Crystal is made, so they're up in the staircase drinking champagne and stuff. So it's really cool. How big is it? Like, if 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 um, you know, can you? Is it three feet tall? Is it ten feet tall? It's like a, a dishwasher, I would say. Wow! And where do you keep it? Or a washing, or a washing machine, rather. Where do you keep it? You probably keep it where the dishwasher and the washing machine go. <laughs> well, no, I have it in my bedroom actually, because that was the only uh, place I could put it at the moment. So I really, uh, first I wanted it made in one to six scale, but the, the guy who, who who made it for me said he couldn't do it because his kitchen wasn't big enough. So <laughs> that says something about the size. It is really big. Even so you wake up in the Carrington Mansion every day? Well, more or less. I can glance over and I see the Carrington Mansion. <laughs> right. Now, so... Like it's, uh, you had this made for you, and and when and again, I didn't ask the questions because I wanted to find out when the audience finds out. You had this made for you. I assumed that this was maybe uh, something from ABC Television who produced the show, um, but you actually went to the trouble of having it made. Why? Well, it's it's um, I was gotten uh, I had gotten to a point in the collection where it was difficult to really get something that was fresh and new and original, if you know what I mean. So so I just thought, why not build something and or have something built? And then I got in touch with some amazing people that built it for me. And I, the, the, the painting of the staircase is actually a, a famous Romanian artist who has painted a replica of the actual painting hanging in the Carrington house. So everything is uh, very, very accurate down to detail. It's, it's uh, the furniture, the paintings, and, and even the, the figurines of the dolls you see of the crystal and black and all this, they are very detailed and very... It, it's, that's, how, that's why I thought that this must have been commissioned um, as part of uh, production for, for, for production reasons um, by the Spellings, Aaron Spelling, and uh, was, was the man behind Dynasty. Explain to us your appeal for Dynasty and, and what it means to you and why you put so much effort into owning or creating um, that world? Well, I think it's it's um, Dynasty hit me in the 80s when I was 13, and this was the first uh, soap uh, ever of its kind in Norway because we had one channel at the time, and the series we had before that was like all these... Uh, a BBC series from coal mining villages in Wales and stuff. So there wasn't really much glass. How depressing. Television, television. So, so uh, Dynasty came and it was uh, kind of blew everyone away, you know, with the glamour and the glitz and the clothes and the 
uh, everything. So um, I, I was just blown away by it. And since I um, work in theater now, Dynasty is a part of that because it, it uh, inspired me to write, it inspired me to design costumes and sets for my plays and all this stuff. So it actually meant a lot. It, it meant a lot to me as well, and the reason I even know Bjorn so that people listening um, are aware of this, how I, I came to find you, was you inspired this actual episode, um, Bjorn. So uh, I, I, I'm on a Dynasty Carrington Colby's Facebook page, and you post your things up there. And, and it makes me so happy every time I'm on that page, because when I was, uh, I was in grade eight, so I was probably around your age, as well when the show came out and I grew up in rural Ontario here in Canada and had never seen anything like it uh, and I loved it and it was it was the stories were outrageous it was so fun it was so glamorous and the clothes became and if, if you're just a little younger than me and I'm 22 no I'm just kidding I'm 49 if you're just a little younger than me and you're listening to this, uh, but you know the Sex and the City era, you, you remember how the clothes became kind of a character as well? Carrie Bradshaw became an, an icon. Well, this was the same effect uh, back in the 80s when, when Dynasty came on. Uh, and Joan Collins came in uh, at the beginning of the second season to play Alexis. And from there, that, that, that thing became a monster, that show. And, and it was over-the-top excess. And so were the clothes. Nolan Miller was the designer behind the clothes, and they became a character of their own. Wouldn't you agree, Bjorn? Absolutely. And I think the the um, extent of the glamour and the and the, uh, design and everything and all the money that went into the costumes, there's never been anything like it before and probably will never be anything like it again. And, and a lot of the costumes are... Very much their period because of the shoulder pads and all these things. But I have collected some of the costumes that I think are quite uh, timeless. So I, I have some uh, good ones. I have some of the nice Alexis ones, and I have, you know, and and the quality of the clothes and the the Nolan Miller's design and everything, and also uh, all the dresses have uh, like uh, built-in corsets and things. So. There's no wonder why these women looked so fabulous as they did, you know, in the show. I will say uh, I, uh, we've had Candy Spelling, uh, wife of the late Aaron Spelling, on, on the Sean Preacher before, and, and she explained, uh, and this is a bit of a famous story, but she went in often and, and looked at the set and just r- decided whether things, and the costumes, decided th- whether things were up to par or not. And she would, um, there, were, there was a big Christmas tree um, scene coming in at Dynasty 1 episode, and she came in, she goes, that is not... A tree the Carringtons would have. We need a way bigger tree than this. And and she she got a tree in that was ten times the size. Is it too personal a question to ask you how much money you've spent on these gowns and jewels and and? Uh, well, put it uh, this way: I I probably should have spent the money on other things. <laughs> gowns, <laughs> shoes. What else I, is I, there I, to spend? The no, it's it's uh, it, it varies a bit because when I started collecting, it was uh, I found some things on on eBay of all places, and it was quite cheap because I bought like a negligee uh, nightgown thing, and it was uh, built as uh, worn by Joan Collins. 
So I, I looked through Dynasty and I couldn't see Joan wearing it. So, but I bought it anyway, and I thought, ah, well, whatever, you know. And then all of a sudden, uh, watching the show again, as I do occasionally, I, I realized this was worked by both Linda Evans and uh, Sable in, in the Colby's. So that costume was actually uh, a bargain. I, I'm so glad <laughs> it, I think. I <laughs> Two for one. So, but but the big sequin uh, gowns they go for a couple of thousand, you know. So it it all depends on if you buy it on auction, you can really blow a lot of money on it. And uh, but I, I've been lucky. I met people who has worked on the shows. I'm, I'm friends on Facebook with several in the cast and all that. So I've been able to get certain things that uh, I don't think most people would be able to get. And I also have a lot of the jewelry. And, and uh, that, that they used. And it's, um, I like the jewelry that kind of tells the story in, in the series. I have, you know, when Crystal uh, fell off the horse uh, because Alexis fired the gun and all that, and she missed the uh, carriage, she got pearls from Blake, and I have those pearls. And Dex gave Alexis some emeralds um, that she wore for several episodes, and I have those. And I mean, all these uh, little things that kind of goes with the story. And I also have the portrait of Fallon, the Pamela Sue Martin. Yes, the real Fallon. Yes, the real Fallon, absolutely. And and I'm um, planning an event in Norway this fall, and Pamela Sue is interested in coming to it. So hopefully I'll, I'll make that happen. I might be coming to Norway this fall. Well, you should, absolutely, and uh, and uh, everything will be uh, on display, and I've also talked to some other collectors that have uh, other pieces and more pieces, and, and they will hopefully all be displayed at this event. How wonderful. Bjorn, I'm out of time. I, I could speak to you the whole hour, uh, but I thank you so much for your time and for joining us from Norway to celebrate people like you who uh, have such a love for something that they put so much devotion and time and money into it. Thank you so much for coming. The Sean Pru Show continues here on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167. We're going to talk to someone in a little while who collects memorabilia from the world's greatest pop star. You were wonderfully made, marvelous, amorous, glorious, You're listening to The Sean Pru Show with Sean Pru on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here I am, and we are back. We are celebrating those people who love something so much that it actually almost becomes part of their lives, part of who they are. We just left Norway, where, and I'm sorry if you have not heard that, because it was really great. We were talking to a gentleman who was so obsessed with the 80s soap dynasty that he even had a model of the Carrington Mansion built in his bedroom. I think he might outdo me. I had pictures of Joan Collins on my, uh, on my locker door in the 80s. I used to write Joan Collins was here on my desks, uh, going from class to class. And then um, people would write, hi, Sean, <laughs> underneath. And when, when Joan uh, married uh, that Swedish pop star, uh, Peter Holm, back in the 80s as well, um, my classmates felt so sorry for me that they made me a Peter Holm voodoo doll. 
Uh, so, but I still think a Carrington Mansion um, uh, model mansion, and and this guy, uh, 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 he, he has all these gowns, all of these uh, dresses. I'm not sure if my next guest has gowns and dresses, but I have peeked inside his closet. And Peter J. Reed has a passion for fashion. And I, I've known a lot of people, and I've written for um, Globe Style here in in, uh, in Toronto, where our show's based, who love fashion. But I've never met anybody so into it. If you go into Peter's home, uh, he doesn't, you, you know, homes have walls. His walls are actually coffee table books welcome to the show peter how are you thank you you? i'm good how are you um listen uh, well i'm very good i want uh your shirt (laughs) (laughs) you 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 might live nude uh when was your first fashion moment because you're what uh 22 now yes Mm. uh my first fashion moment would have been um in October 1980, uh, with Vogue magazine with Brooke Shields on the cover, and I was a little obsessed with Brooke back then. How Still old am a little bit. You are. So how old were you then? I was uh, ten. You were ten years old. Brooke Shields cover of Vogue. Take us uh, paint a picture. So you were at Shoppers Drug Mart. You were with your mom in a store. I was you with saw- my mom. Yeah, and she used to buy the magazine anyhow. But it was when sort of when Brooke was getting really popular as a child modeler. She was quite young. A little bit uh, older than me. Is this pre... <laughs> Peter is around the same age as me, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, Pre-Calvin Klein? Around the same time. Around the yeah. same time. So what was it about that moment? You looked at the magazine, your mom was buying it anyway. What struck you? What made you want in? Well, it was back, I think, when American Vogue was really still... Uh, kind of exciting and they had great uh, editorials and um, really sort of opulent clothes and it was sort of the advent of the 80s and it mm. was like full of opulence and glamour mm. and so it was so you were bitten by the bug then yes now you said when American Vogue um, was yes, good in my opinion I find it a little uh, lackluster in the last uh, couple of years so what magazine do you think anyone listening who really wants to tune into fashion should be reading right now well, I still love Vogue, but I like the European editions, so mm. I love uh, Paris Vogue, uh, British Vogue, uh, German Vogue is good, too. Did you like that uh, Vogue um that I brought back from yes, London for you? Yes, I love that, too. Thank you. <laughs> you're most welcome. So when you, um, when you saw that and you're, you're looking at the Brooke Shields thing, what happened after that? And, and I also want to just interject with a secondary question. I know your mom is very into fashion, too. So when, when, what happened after that, and when did your mom start to play an influence in what became, I'm just going to call it, an obsession? Well, I think um, her obsession with clothing came on to me quite naturally, so I always blame her, although we fight about who's got a larger warehouse space in the cellar of our house. <laughs> but um, I think it, it came to me quite naturally, but she always encouraged uh, me to get involved in fashion because she thought it was very exciting. And there is still something very exciting about it. Sometimes just locally there's not a lot of money in it, but it's yes. still a really fun thing. What is it about, because you and I have gone to like Tom together, Toronto Men's Fashion Week and, and, and things like that. Uh, you bought me a beautiful bracelet that time. Yes. Thank you so much for that. Um, what is it about the runway? Because when you and I first sat, we were front row at some show and we got there a little early and we're, we got on the we not supposed to do this. We got on the runway. <laughs> We took pictures of ourselves. Um, why do we? Why did we do that? I guess because there's an essence of uh, glamour to it, mm. you know. And you think of the. Uh, I was 
I'm reminded of the 90s supermodels in particular for some reason because they really worked worked mm. it and were really glamorous like Linda Evangelista and Naomi Campbell with her great walk and Chrissy Turlington. Now, now um, I'm going to say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Linda Evangelista is the greatest model that ever walked a runway. 100%. <gasps> Look at my, I got, I'm a straight producer of theirs trying to, trying to join in the show. <clears throat> um, he, he did ask a very good question, and I'm going to just repeat it, and I'm going to make you say it. Uh, he posed this one to you. Um, who is the better fashion icon, Kate Blanchett, who's my girl, uh, or Tilda Swinton, which is very, very good. Very, very good, Mr. Platt over there. Yeah, it's a tough call <laughs> because they're both, um, I think... Um, great uh, dressers in, in different kind of ways, but uh, Tilda has more of an androgynous quality, and she can also be sort of like a chameleon, where mm. Kate, I think, is just beautiful, and she's uh, intellectual, she's funny, and so there, it's a whole package with her, and she's got confidence when she wears... Yes, she wears... Uh, she wears and all of that, yeah, yeah, and she, she understands it, and I think she, she loves it, too, you can tell. It's one thing to... to um, I don't think a lot of people realize this, and I got in trouble... Uh, my, Aaron, you'll remember this. Remember uh, the Caitlyn Jenner incident of a few years ago? I got in trouble for saying something. I'm not going to say it again so I don't offend anybody. But there's a difference between men's clothes and women's clothes. Men's clothes are generally pants and a top and shoes. Shoes almost always flat. Women's clothes, it's about architecture and design. If you're a woman and you're putting on a different outfit every day, there's no two days the same of walking the same way, sitting the same way. If you've got a kuchiku short skirt on, yeah. you're sitting differently than if you have jeans on the day before. I hope you are. Je n'aime pas le taco rose. So I hope you're sitting properly. <laughs> right? Right. Right. Um, when did you notice that you were becoming obsessed, though, with fashion? Because so you're, you're a little gay boy, and, uh, and you're watching the models and stuff like that, and Jeannie Becker and fashion television. But then, because this is what I know about you. It was Elsa Clench before uh, Jeannie. Elsa Clench before Jeannie. watch her first. You're watching Elsa Clench. This is what I know about Peter. I've been to your place, and it is walls and walls and walls of coffee table books. And I, a friend of mine, a friend of the show, Mary Jo Eustace, posted a picture of herself on Facebook, and I said, oh, you look, I know what you're going to look like when you're older. And she said, go away. And I said, no, no, it's really good, because you look like this awesome model, and I couldn't remember her name. So I went to Peter, and I said, hey, who's that awesome model? And she, you're like, Carmen, what's her last um, name? Delorifus. Yeah. Delorifus. I was like, I barely, like, the vaguest question ever, you're like, Carmen Delorifus. How do you do that? I don't know. I'm like a liner <laughs> bird, I guess. <clears throat> no, I think you're a fashion savant. Um, how much clothing do you own? Uh, lots. My closet recently caved in. Your closet caved Collapsed. in? I have somebody coming to fix it this evening. <laughs> how many pairs of pants do you have? Probably about 100. Has anyone ever seen you in the same uh, outfit twice? If I really like it. Uh, but that's very, 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 very rare. Uh, how many, uh, what's the most important um, item in your closet that you would never part without? You're like, if there's a fire, you're grabbing this item. Mm, that's a tough question. All those uh, babies. Which baby yeah. are you going to save? They're all in their cribs, all sleepy. Fire started. I guess all of my uh, MSGM stuff, I've been really fan of that lately. MSGM? Who's that for the those? The Italian sportswear brand, but yes. it's, it's fun. It's like... Uh, 
you know, sort of whimsical. How much MSGN, like that shirt that I'm going to rip off your cold dead body after this interview, uh, how much MSGN do you have? Right now, I've got about five tops and two pairs of pants, I guess. Okay, so you'd save all that. What's the most expensive thing you've ever um, um, purchased? And this is the cool thing about you. This, can I say bitch? You can say bitch. No, I was asking my producer. Okay, this bitch. You know how you go into like thrift stores, vintage stores, Sally Ann's or whatever? I go in and I find nothing. I'm not a very good searcher. He comes out with the most fantastic stuff you've ever seen. So this is all like, it's not just uh, your obsession, it's like uh, divine. (laughs) Don't you think? Well, sometimes it's just luck, I think. No, I think it's also the ability to search. And I have the concentration for that, but whereas I lack it in other things, and some people don't have the concentration right. to you know, root through stuff, and they're like, Who's the it great? takes you long. And it does. It takes a long time, and I just want, I, you know, I want the whole wardrobe now yeah. and go home and watch The Young and the Restless. Uh, who's the greatest uh, designer in the world, living or dead? That's, that's a hard question, because there's so many that I... Think are fantastic, but I think Balenciaga was was great in his time. Uh, in haute couture, he did some really amazing things. Uh, Yves Saint Laurent definitely, but I think modern day, um, I would say Halston was a great American designer. He was closest to a couturier that America mm-hmm. had. Joffrey Bean was great, and uh, Tom Ford's a great businessman. I guess. See, most of you would say Jeffrey Bean. He said Joffrey. He knows. He knows. Uh, a w- designer that we didn't need to have. Jeremy Scott. He listens to the show. Um, Best fashion moment of all time. I'll give you mine. Alexander McQueen, Kate Moss hologram. Uh, I think Alexander McQueen's fashion show where he had the uh, paint uh, sprayed on the the models. That was sort of uh, with a motor. It was amazing. If you guys have never seen this, and, and we're almost out of time now, but if you've never seen this, just Google... Alexander McQueen fashion shows, and what happens is, is this one. Who is the model? Shalom Harlow. So you can Canada, do that with you. You can do that with you. So Shalom Harlow's out there, and he's just got a white dress on, and these robots come up to her, and they look like they've got guns, and she's sort of she's a former dancer, so she's getting all movie and arms and tableau and stuff like that. And then what happens? She just gets uh, spray painted um, all over this dress as she's being spinned around, and it's just in various colors. It's really cool. It's like uh, very. The dress is made, now that is made to measure. Is that made to measure? No, it's not made to measure. And I think um, Mark Jacobs' last show for uh, Louis Vuitton was amazing. Do you think Mark Jacobs was overrated? Well, some people say he's a zeitgeist. Um, They say the same thing about Maria Chaprada, but um, I think he's very talented for sure. I'm not sure if I would say he's a zeitgeist for sure. Close your eyes. Mm Take my hand. Yes. We're ending this segment, and I want you to say just something about fashion. That if, you had to, if you're about to die right now, what are you going to say to fashion? Be a slave to fashion. <laughs> really, really good. I just adore you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank hey, you. you're going to meet the biggest fan in the world, bigger than me, of the greatest pop star of all time, and I know I'm going to get in a lot of trouble when we come back and when you find out that it's not who you think it is. You got the show on Pre Show, Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167.
Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here's Sean Prue. If you didn't know this segment was going to be about Madonna, then you don't know me. You don't listen to this show often enough. It's the Sean Prue Show continuing here on Sirius XM Canada Talks, Channel 167, celebrating people like my next guest right now. Matthew Redman is a blogger at boyculture.com, and he's the author of the novel Boy Culture. And most importantly, the author of Encyclopedia Madonica 20. We welcome you to the show, Matthew. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm so good. We've been celebrating people who uh, just love something or someone so much uh, all this hour. And you and I share a great love of Madonna. And everybody who does listen to the show on a regular basis knows that about me and knows why about me. Uh, why about you? What What is so special about um, the Queen of Pop? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 hard to not, you know, talk about something that you're obsessed with in this way and not acknowledge that you grew up with it. And the fact that I kind of grew up with Madonna, she was the first um, kind of all-encompassing pop cultural icon who was of my era. So, of course, I paid a lot of extra attention to her. But I think what I what really drew me to her was that she always seemed to be, along with amazing music, she always seemed to be sort of speaking to her fans and to the world by using kind of the the entire rest of pop culture history. So I really I really kind of noticed when she, you know, started doing little Marilyn Monroe references and Dietrich references and and things from the past because I was a kid that really loved uh, nostalgia, and so I felt like I was in the know. And over the years, I've always wondered, you know, how much of that was something that worked because people knew what she was talking about and how much of it worked because they didn't know, but it was working for the second time around. I have to say for me, and I understand completely everything you're saying, and the the album cover to True Blue was kind of a Madonna, uh, sorry, Marilyn Monroe type of uh, uh, throwback as well. For me, she was always on the leading edge and she was saying what I was thinking, but hadn't said it. And she did that with many topical things. I know that she was one of the first people to uh, use her platform, specifically the stage, to talk about HIV and AIDS, uh, which I thought was a very brave thing. If you're listening and you didn't grow up um, in, this, in the area that my guest Matthew and I uh, did grow up in, it was not cool to talk about this thing that was killing lives. And, and, and she had lost Keith Haring, dear friend of hers, brilliant artist, and other friends along the way. And I'll never forget from that Blonde Ambition tour, hey, boys, don't be silly. Put a condom on your willy. And for her to do that yeah. was incredibly leading I mean, edge. Absolutely. And, I mean, she was, she was not only very early on, you know, the AIDS epidemic, just even embracing, you know, homosexuality was very yes. taboo at that time. It was something that people would do if you're very avant-garde, not if you're in Tiger Beat, which people forget she was. I mean, she was a bona fide teen idol. And, you know, when she did the Who's That Girl World Tour, she had an entire night uh, dedicated to giving money to AMFAR. That was 1987. Which is the American... So years. Can you say what AMFAR is for, for uh, those listening in, in Canada and elsewhere who don't know? Yeah, sure. American Foundation for AIDS Research. Yes. Um, so, I mean, she, and then she spoke about, you know, having, you know, some of her very best friends died of AIDS early on, and she just wasn't playing the game of not talking about it. Yes, I think that that's a, a good highlight that you make is, is speaking to uh, gay people, because now it's part of a marketing strategy. 
for a lot of pop artists and and it's just an obvious stepping stone or touch point for a lot of artists because as uh, stereotype us if you want to but we love our music the gays and so uh but yeah. but that was not her intention and i think she's always been an intention driven artist and i think that she's led from her heart she's a calculating woman i think but she's led from her heart a lot as well and i don't think that's spoken of as much as it should be i agree i, th- I think that she definitely was at that time when she was doing it it wasn't popular so it couldn't have been a marketing strategy so so she gets points for that and she also gets points for causing that to become a marketing strategy which i think is a good thing i'm I hate it when I hear people criticizing artists for, quote-unquote, pandering to the gays. That's only offensive to me if I think it's insincere, you know, as a person that they're not even – like, if they were anti-gay, but they were, you know, publicly pretending to be to court gays, that would be offensive. Yes. But if, they're op- but if, they're, if they love gay people anyway and they're, and they're pursuing us, that's only good for gay people. Let's move to the collection. You have – Yes, let's. <sighs> You know what? I don't do this very often, but Matthew, just take it away. Go. In your own words. I'm not going to introduce... In my own words? Yeah. Tell us. About my, about my collection? Yes, go. Well, I, I have might a lot be of touching stuff. myself. Um, go. Okay. I have a lot of stuff. It's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's really an archive, what I have. It's no longer a collection. Basically, I started. I was really always very interested in magazine publishing and in magazines, which is now like an antiquated idea. Um, but I loved the you know the imagery, and I loved how Madonna and people before her, like Marilyn Monroe, Jane Mansfield, lots of others, used the art of the magazine cover and the magazine cover interview to present themselves to the their fans and to the world. So I basically I've bought every Madonna magazine cover I've ever seen for the past 35 years, and then I've gone back and tried to find the ones that I couldn't have seen because they're from bizarre, you know, foreign lands, some of which don't even exist anymore. Um, And so I have a little bit of all of those, and then I have a lot of ephemera, you know, just tear sheets, things from magazines, billboard reviews. I have probably every poster ever created, including promotional ones that were torn off the walls uh, of Italy and France, um, Japan. I have... Never before seen photos, lots of contact sheets, original photography, Polaroids, autographs. I mean, you name it. I, I've, I either have it or I've had it. Are you single? I am. <sighs> Do you have money? <laughs> I'm sorry, but at this age, you have to. I, the guy's got to have money. I'm sorry. <sighs> Well, I, I missed because you're so broke from young. spending all this money on Madonna. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. It's always helpful to have more, 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 more. More, more, more. And uh, I think that's the, the, the Madonna call a little, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I, I want to remember that little moment that I just said, but I want to, would you be willing to guesstimate how much money or man hours or something you've spent on this incredible, beautiful utopia you're calling an archive? That's actually a disturbing thought because if I ever really knew, it would either, I think it would probably really devastate me because it's, it is, it's, you know, back in the old days to collect things, you used to have to write people letters and trade things in the mail. Yes. And, you know, you'd have to, I don't even know how I did it, to be honest. It's when I think back. 
And then when eBay came along, it became so easy. It kind of, you know, you 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 don't waste quite as much time as one as you used to. Um, but I mean, I could never estimate the hours. It's more like years and the money. I'm sure. I mean, for sure, six figures. But I mean, you know, keeping in mind this is spread out over many years. Years. Well, is yeah. it a bit like but for uh, sure? For sure, six figures. I've always thought like, I wonder if I sold everything all at once in the in the smartest possible way. Like whether that meant, you know, one by one or in certain lots, or if I was able to get the maximum amount from each thing, how much cash I would have. I don't know. I think I might actually, I would, I might actually do that if I thought I could do it. It's just once you get so much, it's very hard to even. It's Sophie's choice. You know, Sophie's choice. I'm not. T- yeah, which yeah, baby I mean, goes first? Where do we even start? Where do I, mean, even start? I, I wouldn't even know where to start. None of the children are ugly, right? They're all special. Exactly. So you just have to. You just have to get rid of the ones that are, I don't know, I guess get rid of the older ones. And then you can have fun with the younger ones. We're going to talk about ageism and Madonna when we come back. This is, but this, uh, this to me reminds you of that scene and we referenced Sex in the City earlier when I was talking to the Dynasty Collector. But that re- you reminded me of when Carrie Bradshaw realizes that the amount of money she spent in shoes, she could have bought a property type of thing. That, that moment. In, in oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. More with Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> More on Madonna. You're a fabulous guest. The Sean Prue Show continues here on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167. And you are a fabulous audience. to the Sean Prue Show with Sean Prue on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Time does not go by slowly here on the Sean Prue Show. Matthew Redman is my guest right now. He's the author of the novel Boy Culture, a blogger at boyculture.com and the author of Encyclopedia Madonica 20. And we are celebrating those who celebrate the things that have brought them much joy in pop culture. Uh, Dynasty for our first guest, fashion in general, our fashion savant Peter Reed was just with us and Matthew uh, loves Madonna enough that he's just explained this entire archive of belongings that he has uh, or things associated with Madonna. Uh, You wrote an encyclopedia about her. I did. uh, Over 20 years ago, I wrote an encyclopedia. It was basically, but it was pre-internet. So I had used all my tear sheets and I created a compendium of everything about Madonna from A to Z and then I updated it a couple of years ago. So now it's all updated and it's much more, much less uh, rudimentary. And it has everything in it. If you I, like Madonna, you'll love the book. I would not be uh, where I am today without Madonna. And, and part of it is one of the reasons you offered earlier uh, when we first started to chat, Matthew, about growing up with Madonna. And I grew up in rural Ontario in the 80s. And I remember working at this 
uh, store, shop, grocery shop, uh, Sunday, just sweeping, and um, her music came on, and I'd never heard anything like it, and I'd never seen a woman like her, and, and I think that's gotten lost in the history books uh, because I don't think she's given enough credit. I cannot stand when people scoff, and this is my judgment as to whether I, yes, I said judgment, as to whether I can have somebody in my life. If you don't respect Madonna, you don't have to like her, but if you don't respect her, get out of my home. <laughs> it's basically the way I, it goes. Because, I, and do you feel this? I have set foot in their, my home yet if, they, if I didn't already know that. I have, I have I'm, I'm trying to develop a breed of dog that can sniff uh, people to know whether they respect Madonna or not. Uh, but it's not there yet. But when it does, I'm going to give you a puppy. I love that. Yeah, let me know. I'll take one from the litter. <laughs> uh, now we were we touched on um, age before the commercial break and uh, ageism, and I I say this about Madonna: we have never seen a celebrity of her likes who has had so much of a spotlight shone on her. And uh, right in, in the history, because now we have internet and social media. And so in the history of pop culture, there's not been a woman who is in her position right now. And I feel it's given rise to uh, the un- ugly underbelly of ageism, sexism, misogyny, and she's getting so much of it. Nobody's telling Mick Jagger to stop. Nobody's telling Mick Jagger or any old uh, rock star, and I don't use the word old in a, an ageist way, older rock star to stop. And the only one who's getting it is Madonna. Go. And, and you know, I think part of the reason for that is the fact that she is more, more uh, current and more successful. I mean, there's always this talk about relevancy. Is she relevant? You know, she hasn't had a top 10 hit recently. Does that make her irrelevant? We know which artists, and we, I won't name them, there's plenty of artists that you and I and everyone else adore who we know are probably irrelevant by pop cultural standards, meaning they really couldn't get arrested unless they got arrested. But with Madonna, it's, it's demonstrable that she is very relevant. She posts stupid stuff on her, you know, Instagram, and it becomes an entire, you know, story on, on Daily Mail and other, and other, you know, places. So she, everything she does with her kids, any, any quote she makes, any misstep she makes, She's obviously still very relevant, and because she, much more so than someone like Mick Jagger or Bruce Springsteen, people who are who are also older, and who are very very successful, but who don't have that kind of au courant thing going on. So I think there's that's where the tension comes from: is that people are people who dislike what she has to sell and what she has to say are annoyed with the, by the fact that she is still kind of around and considered topic A. And so it makes it even more tempting to try to push her away, you know, using any means necessary. Ageism is funny to me because all these people, especially people who are doing it because they're a fan of another artist, I find that so bizarre because, like, if you're making fun of someone for being old, you're going to get old. Yeah. Your, you know, idol is going to get old. So what are you thinking? Like, this is not, you're not really looking at the long game here. And... Regardless of who we're talking about, almost any woman in pop, you know, owes a huge debt to Madonna. Actually, most pop singers owe a huge debt to Madonna and for such a variety of reasons that to pick on her for her age, 
I find it to be really petty, and it says a lot about the people doing it. I, I owe a lot to Madonna, and I alluded to this earlier, and then we got off on the, the role that I knew we would um, when we first started to chat about you coming on the show. Madonna and that legend, uh, however uh, true or not, of arriving in New York City with $13 in her pocket, um, and then watching her make something out of nothing, and even if, if that that's just folklore, that arriving with $13 in her pocket, that is a woman who is self-made, who has created a life beyond that which most can even imagine, gave me the proof as a little gay boy growing up in rural Ontario with a specter of AIDS hanging over my head with an alcoholic father who died when I was 17 and me not knowing where to go, what to do or how to do it, she showed me anyway that it could be done. And I lead a very happy life. I'm a very, very, very successful person. And that's, I'm talking about personal success, not by someone else's means. I feel really good about the life I've led. And that is because someone showed me it could be done. And I had the added benefit of the fact that she was from my home state. So I felt even more of an affinity of like, yeah, you, know, you can do this. And, and no one can argue that she's not self-made. She did come from a good home, um, but she didn't really utilize those resources out of stubbornness. So she was, she definitely had moments and longer than moments in New York City early on where she was either homeless or, you know, on the verge of it, li- living someplace that no one would really want to live. So she really toughed it out and through her own, you know, talent and will and some luck, she, and hard work, she made it. And she made exactly, she made it exactly the way she wanted to. And that's, how can that not be inspirational? Yes. And self-made means exactly what you just said. I am who I am by my own design. And I don't, and that you could come from millions of dollars and be self-made as far as I, I'm concerned, because sure. as long as you are who you decided to become, by your own doing, your own willpower, your own tenacity, your own hard work. That's the self-made part. doesn't matter to me how much money your mom and dad had in the bank. What is the right. thing that she's taught you the most, Matthew? Uh, I think the thing I admire the most is that she's not afraid to um, speak up. She has an opinion that isn't necessarily going to fly with the people around her. Um, I'm, I'm, that's probably something I'm not that good at because I, I am very diplomatic and I don't love making waves. I don't like hurting people's feelings and having people hate me forever. And so I find that inspirational that she's able to just say, no, I don't want this sound anymore. I'm going to use someone else. I'm, I'm going to move on to this. I'm going to do that. And there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I think speaking up for yourself, quote unquote, expressing yourself is really the core message of Madonna. And it's, it's one that I've always you know, found so inspiring. Do you want to play a little game I'm making up as I speak called Off the, off the Cuff? I'm going to ask you a okay. question. It's just opinion, and you you give me the answer. I've not sure. prepared this at all. It just dawned on me to do it. You ready? Do Best it. album. Um, favorite album is her first album, Madonna. Best album. Best album is Ray of Light. Mine too. Best song. I, my favorite song of hers is Into the Groove because I really think that she's at her best, often when she doesn't think she is. Oh, wow. You said single? <laughs> yes. Uh, best video. Video. That's really hard. There's so many. 
I mean, it has to be Vogue. Worst song. Worst? I mean, song of any kind, not even a single. Madonna, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. The one where you're like, oh. Crappy ones. Um, hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> direct like that. I hate that. Yes. I can't believe. I still can't believe she recorded that. Uh, how about um, worst concert? Which oh, is a weird way concert. of putting it, but you know, if you had to say yeah. the concert that sucked compared to all the others, I would say. I, I, first, I would say all of her concerts I've ever seen have been great. I've yes. never had yes major problem with one of them. The one that I probably liked the least was Reinvention Tour. Oddly, isn't, isn't that funny? I had a bad experience with it, and I just thought it was kind of. To me, it just felt a little like make good for you know trying to trying to make up for some you know problems with the reception of American Life. But and right. that's my least favorite concert. One of the things I love that she does in concerts is that she'll take that song like American Life, for example, that everybody well that was panned, uh, and she'll do it anyway. And now you're gonna. Right. I yeah, do. I love that. I do love that. Um, when Madonna dies, you will make a lot of money because I'll be selling everything. Um, hopefully no, no, I, no, I, no that, that's, that's, I, that's in the weeks to, and months to come. I just mean we get the news cause I have thought about this and I'm not sure what the hell. I don't even know. I'd be, I'll be so sad, so despondent. My phone will just blow up. I, I probably would get rid of all my stuff because I, yes. I would immediately be thinking, I don't want to be surrounded by this. I don't want to be in a mausoleum. Yes. Uh, and it's already served its purpose and I need to move on. Uh, but I would be obviously very devastated. And I mean, I'm assuming unless she's taken down by like an accident or something, I'm assuming she's going to do the Dietrich route and just kind of be accountable so. until her 90s. But yeah. May it be peaceful. Again, so many other '80s icons have dropped dead. It's just, it's alarming. I loved, I loved when she put out some meme going, "I'm still here." I can't remember what she did or who had just died, but she was on Instagram going, "Yeah, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. Whatever." Um, but I do believe that I have a cockroach theory about people. I believe she's a cockroach. I'm a cockroach. I think I'm, we're going to die in our in our sleep peacefully at old age. Is what I uh, hope for her. Uh, last question, and then I've got to let you go. And this show comes to an end. And I thank everyone for joining us. Madonna, in one word, Matthew. Defiant. I wish you peace and joy, and I wish you peace and joy as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Sean Pree Show. Matthew, thank you so much for bringing me, like, the best feeling in the world just now from talking to you for the last 20 minutes you got the Sean Proust show over and out for another week Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167 oh my rebel